We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. 2023, Courtney. It started. How? Yeah. How did this happen? <laughs> I know. Who would have thought we'd still be going in 2023? Yeah, I think that um, a, a lot of uh, people feel like it's still 2020. I saw mm. something online where someone only like a few weeks ago accidentally bought a 2020 calendar thinking it was the right year uh, for this year. <laughs> so I feel like time is just like somehow happened without anyone noticing. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, where's where's it all gone? Oh, no. <laughs> oh well, another another calendar year and mm-hmm. yeah, we've got another um, exceptional lineup of uh, podcast guests. Yeah, currently absolutely. currently being confirmed and arranged. <laughs> yeah. And in our heads as well. We've got names. <laughs> exactly. So people some people might be even be listening and not realize that they're going to be a guest this year, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, we've, we've got grand plans. We do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but enough of talking about that. We've got actually an excellent guest in this episode um, who we were lucky enough to speak with at the end of last year. Um, so yeah, we're, we're having a, a chat with um, Andrew Miller, uh, who is an occupational therapist at Greylands Hospital and at the I forget the name of the center, but it will be in the show notes. But he works at the sort of <laughs> art therapy, the creative therapy center, I think it's called, um, at Greylands Hospital, um, and works with people with severe mental illness. And I was pretty excited about um, like when we were heading into this conversation. One because I've never been to Greylands before. Um, so it was really exciting to see what it looked like and it was lovely. There was It was a beautiful day and there was lots of trees everywhere um, and uh, I was really excited to talk to him about what he does because it's such an interesting area um, and it's unique and I reckon a lot of people probably haven't really heard much about it before. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I certainly, the, the way I came across this group is they actually gave a talk at uh, I think it was Mental Health Week, they came out to the school and gave a talk, and they brought a couple of clients out with them who'd been, you know, had mental health issues and um, had been enrolled in their art therapy program and had done some great work um, to help, you know, with their mental health. And yeah, basically, it got chatting to the director and and got an introduction to Andrew um, because his background's in music, as you're gonna gonna hear, and we got chatting and thought it'd be great to have him on the podcast to tell us a little bit about some of the fascinating work that he's done and some of the stuff he's done over the years. Um, but yes, I, I've just done a quick Google search and it's the Creative Expression Centre for Arts Therapy or CCAT at Greylands Hospital. So that was the typing that I could hear. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With your, your eagle ears. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so that that's where Andrew is. Uh, and I think he also works over in the main hospital um, part of the week as well. Um, but yeah, without um, dragging this intro out, let's have a listen um, to our chat with Andrew and let him tell us a bit more about what he does. Well, it's 
me great pleasure to welcome Andrew Miller to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Craig. Yeah. Courtney. Hi. Yeah, that's no, great to be here. Thanks for hosting us at um, Greylands. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. Do you just want to let people know where we are and sort of what the building is and that? Yeah, sure. We're on the Greyland Hospital campus, which is a psychiatric hospital in Western Australia. And we're at the Creative Expression Centre for Arts Therapy in the music recording studio, surrounded by instruments on the walls. And (laughs) uh, we've got recording gear, keyboards, drum kits, plenty of guitars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a nice little music room. Lots of positive messaging as well. I really like it. I've yeah, been, I've been reading them as we set up. You've got a rule in the studio that you can't say sorry when you're recording. I yeah. love that. I, when um when we uh, or when I have taught people how to do like public speaking and things like that, it's like never say sorry on stage. You do not need to. You're there for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unapologetic expression. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah. That's when uh, people's creativity gets a chance to to come out. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very good. So there's obviously a bit of a story that led to you being here today. Um, yeah, sure. I figure we might rewind a little bit and maybe go back to where it all started, like education-wise for you and then you yep. know, any other relevant sort of information. Yeah, sure. Um, where do you want to start? Education. Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, somehow I finished uni. I don't know how, but, you know, <laughs> it happened. Um, but, yeah, I got a Bachelor of Science in Occupational Therapy um, and... Uh, over the last 14 years, I've been a senior occupational therapist in a psychiatric hospital, um, Greylands Hospital. Um, so that's inpatient, so um, seeing people um, in hospital um, in both an acute stream and a hospital extended care stream. Mm-hmm. And then from 2018, I took a secondment and I've been doing a few days a week um, as an art studio coordinator at the Creative Express- Expression Centre for Arts Therapy. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where I run uh, recording studio mm-hmm. and music program. Um, through uni, I was a guitar teacher, a humble guitar mm-hmm. teacher, teaching yeah. little kids to try and earn some money. Yeah. Um, and then uh, also um, as, as I first started working in the field of occupational therapy, I, I, on the side was also working for an organisation called Catch Music Oh, yeah. as a uh, music facilitator for inclusive community music groups for people with a range of um, abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I guess, yeah, my work yeah. history. So so you as a guitar teacher, I'm assuming that came from you being a guitar player at some point. <laughs> that is correct. Um, I think started on the, the old classical guitar, little fingers couldn't reach around the neck. Yeah. So I think somewhere along the lines progressed to a, Mm-hmm. Sunburst electric guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it was good. I got into it quite young. Mm-hmm. Um, started playing in bands from about the age of 13. Yep. Um, played in a, a punk band through high school. And then through my 20s, I was in more of a blues psych sort of band. Mm-hmm. In my 30s, I've been predominantly in like, I guess, a folky soul blues type um, band. So yep. yeah, the music styles <laughs> change, I think, as you get older. Yeah. Um, they get a little less thrashy. <laughs> yes, yeah, more about the songwriting and the words and yeah. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's been yeah. a long time since my dad's had to come to a gig to be my guardian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your current band's name? Uh, Yo-Yo Sun. Yes. Yeah. 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 You guys have got some clips on YouTube and yeah. whatnot. Floating yeah. around. Yeah, yeah stuff cool. out there. Which is cool. Yeah. yeah. And so Very did you cool. grow up in Perth or like whereabouts? Yeah, around Fremantle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um that's my stomping ground. I've mm-hmm. uh, lived lived around Frio for 
for yeah pretty much all of my life um and i guess you know that's a really good location to hone in on your music mm-hmm. networks and mm-hmm. skills plenty of live music in frio yep and i was a part of uh i was still a part of that scene of gigging around venues and um yeah i've been fortunate enough to yeah to play in bands and have the be a part of the community of a band uh-huh. um which is which is very close you know, you see each other a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Get to know each other really well. Small place, Perth, isn't it? Um, and Freo especially. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you, yeah. even though you had this, like, kind of thread of music from when you were a kid, yeah. why did you end up deciding to go to occupational therapy? Oh, look, I think it was just uh, I always knew I wanted to study something where I felt that I was going to make a difference. Yeah. I, 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 could, I always said to myself I couldn't. I, I couldn't stand the thought of going and studying money to make money mm, yeah. or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I just my own journey led me into into mental health, and um, I think you know I haven't looked back. It's been a it's been a pretty epic journey working in mental health and getting involved in lots of mental health um, programs and awareness um, campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, and funnily enough. Um, in my final year of uni, we had to do a dummy business proposal where you had to come up with like a, an idea um, of where the community was lacking in something. And my proposal was there should be a music studio <laughs> at the Creative Expression Centre for Arts Therapy. <laughs> and, you know, perfect. T- ten odd years later, it's become a reality, which is pretty cool. That's yeah, very cool. That's great. So just for people who might not, they might have heard the term occupational therapist but not really know what an OT does. Yep. What, what sort of are the basic sort of building blocks for being an OT? Uh, I guess occupational therapy is all about achieving health and wellness through um, occupation. And occupation is often um, misconceived as just being your, your job, mm-hmm. your paid employment. But occupation is actually any task or activity um, that you undertake in your day, which helps, you know, form the, the meaningful roles you have in your life. Mm-hmm. Um it could be from brushing your teeth to going to work to playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think music sits really well in occupational therapy. There's lots of scope to use um, music to to meet different um, functional needs, um, whether it relates to kind of re-motivation or supporting people with their self-care or leisure or productive routines. It can help people, you know, um, in terms of cognition, you know, physical functioning, interpersonal functioning. Um, and that's something that I do in the recording studio here as an occupational therapist is try to understand what people's needs are mm-hmm. and to try to tailor what we're doing in the studio to meet those needs to support them in their re- function as a part of recovery from mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so and in your experience, you know, are there any sort of kind of great examples you can think of of people where they've had an obvious, you know, impediment or, you know, disability or whatever and then they've come in and worked with you and you've just seen a transformation? Oh, countless. Yeah. Countless. Had a lot of clients come through here um, in the last few years and I think the beauty of it is every every person's story is different. And every person's recovery journey is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the best moments of my career have been when I've seen someone 
just completely immersed in like a recording take mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I feel like we're just capturing pure magic um, in the moment. Um, and, yeah, it's a beautiful thing just to see people um, transform mm-hmm. through the power of music. Um, and recently I had a, a fellow in here who used to bring little pieces of paper with words written on them um, and, you know, a couple of years later he's recorded an album and he's done live performances at some of the events we've put on mm-hmm. through the Arts and Mental Health Network. Recently he did a performance here at the, the Greylands campus and got onto the ABC News mm-hmm. and was interviewed and spoke about how music has um, helped him with the voices in his head yeah. um, and the process of making music. And I think there's something very empowering in, in telling your story. And, um, yeah, I think, as I've said, every every person's story is different. So, I mean, I've got countless. you just got to <laughs> stop me. Yeah, I'll keep no, that's fine. Yeah, no, it's good. That's what it's about. <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. Because uh, it seems that, like it, the, the music is kind of an afterthought in a way. It's the process of engaging yeah. with the music, right? And then it's just a bonus if they happen to produce something amazing. Or mm. Yep, absolutely. I think... Um, in terms of people often say, oh, you do music therapy, but I, I, I'm, I'm not a music therapist and I think that's something people sometimes don't understand. I guess I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing occupational therapy yep. but using music as part of that process. Yep. Um, and there's lots of ways you can use music um, in an occupational therapy context. For example, you can do music-assisted occupation where you're looking at how can music assist people in, in achieving and doing mm-hmm. um, and um, or music as occupation. How do, how do you use music to improve someone's quality of life and to add meaning to their life? How mm-hmm. do you support someone to engage in music, form an identity to music, connection and meaning and purpose for music and belonging to music mm-hmm. and the music community? And also music in preparation for occupation. Um, you know, looking at people's emotional and, and arousal levels mm-hmm. um, going into different occupations. So an example of that would be um, I've been doing a lot of breath work, recorded breath work and, and sort of um, personalised scripts with people and people listening to those before going and doing particular tasks that they find anxiety-provoking or, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing a lot of um, work here with people that hear voices so how do we tap in and acknowledge those voices and and have a a positive dialogue with them and record that Mm -hmm. so people can listen back to that in shopping centers which might normally be a place that they can't go to um and also you know music to help um with difficult past experiences as well how do we how do we process Mm -hmm. trauma um and experience lived experience through music and songwriting and, um, yeah, so I guess um, Mm. there's lots of scope, lots and lots of scope. Okay. Um, So one of the the first kind of examples you said was about uh, music helping 
occupation with like daily living things. Mm -hmm. And the only example I can think of, which I feel is a very poor example, and I'd love to hear some more that are more real world or Mm. for adults. The only one I can think of is like the brush your teeth song with like the wiggles, like helping kids learn how to brush their teeth. Is that kind of the same vibe or just like more for adults, I guess, in rabbit ears? (laughs) (laughs) I I guess so. I guess it's it's sort of helping people to... um, when I say music, it, uh, I'm not. We don't just do music here. We also do use audio recording, whether it's spoken word or breathing or or you know self talk prompts or mm-hmm. self talk affirmations. Mm-hmm. It's quite broad and it, it's really tailored to the person. So whatever um, their goal is, I mm-hmm. guess we tailor the the audio to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. To either um, get them prepared to do something else or or to use that that track and listen back to it while they're engaging in some form of occupation or after an occupation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very broad. And I think I think one of the main things um, we do in here as well is just engagement in music. I think people with mental illness um, are quite often marginalised from music in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we take it for granted that we can put Spotify on our phone. But a lot of people don't have phones. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people don't have subscriptions. A lot of the cost of recording, the cost of instruments, the cost of going to gigs, mm-hmm. this is all money that mm. a lot of people don't have. Yeah, um, and the opportunities to learn an instrument and to express yourself um, through an instrument or through voice is is often a challenge for people who are more marginalised. Um, so I, I really look at trying to. Um, create accessibility to that through mm-hmm. our music program. Um, and if they can't play an instrument or don't have any musical background, it totally doesn't matter. Mm. I use my skills as an occupational therapist to grade and adapt and simplify all the demands of the task to enable it to come to life. Mm-hmm. So whether that be, um, you know, today I had a lady in and we recorded drums, but we recorded each drum separately on a separate track yep. instead of, you know, having to play the entire drum kit at one time. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes if someone has really poor dexterity in their fingers, um, you know, we might tune the guitar to slide. Yep. Um, or if someone has difficulty remembering the sequence of like a, a note progression on the bass, mm-hmm. um, we'll cover that bass in lots of sticky dots and visual <laughs> cues. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we do a lot of grading and adapting of tasks and the environment here and you'll see that I've got the fairy lights in here as well. Yep. I try to create a very safe space, mm-hmm. a very calm sensory space as well for yep. people to be creative. Yeah, okay. So it's the structure sounds like it's quite loose and adaptable. Like it's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes you just have to roll with the creativity and where, where people want to go. Yeah. Some people come in here and know exactly what they want to, <laughs> want to achieve and some people come in here and have no idea. Okay. And that's often when we'll start with... Um, just taking it back to the breath, trying to record them doing a, a long meditation, mm-hmm. trying to capture when their breath is at, at a really um, sort of slow heart rate, you know, when the BPM sort of dropped on the rhythm of it, mm-hmm. you know, loop that mm-hmm. and, and get them to strive and to aim for that kind of relaxed state when they're out of this space in listening mm-hmm. back to those recordings. Okay. And so is that like a primary kind of aim is to give them something to take away and listen to, you know, in their own time? Absolutely. I yeah. think um, when I started here, there wasn't a music um, recording studio or a music program. That's something um, that I've been involved in in setting up. And mm-hmm. 
the Creative Expression Centre um, always, I guess, specialised more in the, the visual art mediums. Yeah. Um, and I think music um, is a great therapeutic medium, but I think it's even better if you can also capture it mm-hmm. in, in a recorded form or an audio form. So I think that speaks both to the process and the end product, similar yeah. to the tangibility of, a, of an artwork, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. something that you can ref- reflect back on, something you can use therapeutically later. Yep. And there's a um, connection because it's your own Absolutely. Well, and yeah. it, um, one of the greatest things I see is when clients are listening to their own music mm-hmm. or recordings on repeat mm-hmm. and they're getting something from them. It's like filling their soul mm-hmm. um, It's with, with this this sense of achievement, the sense of accomplishment, this sense of this is my best version of myself that we've been able to create. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, through being strengths-focused in the editing process, mm-hmm. um, they love showing their family and friends. They mm-hmm. call me up <laughs> and they go, I got this many listens on YouTube or mm-hmm. Spotify cool. or, or whatnot. And and some, some of the clients have started using their own artwork mm-hmm. for their own music releases, which is great. So... Their artistic identity really um, gets to flourish and grow. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And I, I guess a lot of them probably surprise themselves as well with what they're capable of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Some people come in and, and think they're a guitarist, but they leave a drummer. <laughs> yeah. Or, or I'll never sing. But, you know, <laughs> next minute they're doing a three-part harmony. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah. So just a little bit of history about the the centre and obviously this is a fairly recent addition in, in its yeah. life, right? So what when did it all start and, you know, how, how did it all happen originally? The music studio? Uh, well, just the, the, the uh, um, centre for... Oh, the Creative Expression Centre for yeah. Arts Therapy. Sorry, my <laughs> um, good. Yeah, look, I I know it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. The exact history of it, I don't know. Okay, um, off the top of my head, um, we're talking decades, aren't we? Oh yeah, yeah. many, 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 many decades. Yeah, okay. Um, and, yeah. yeah, it's 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 always specialised in in mainly in the visual arts. Um, it uses um, art therapy as well as art psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. It's a community mental health service located on the Greyland site. Um, I guess it provides an alternative to talking therapies um, with the primary focus of resolving trauma and and mood-related disorders um, and the effects this has on a person's functioning. Mm -hmm. Um, We see a range of people through this service. Um, To be referred, you have to have a primary um, diagnosis of, of mental illness uh, or mental health difficulties. So, so we see a lot of people with depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder, emotionally unstable personality disorder, um, as well as bipolar affective disorder, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, and other psychotic disorders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's a very broad range. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a very broad range of of mental health conditions, a broad range of of functional abilities, um, broad range of levels of insight. Yep. Um, broad range of, of create, creative abilities as well. Mm. No, that's great. And this all came about because during Mental Health Week, uh, a group of people came out to our school and presented and there was a couple of clients and then mm-hmm. there were some therapists with them and I think the director of the centre was out there as well. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we were just sort of talking about that and they had their artwork on display and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, you know, one, one guy had an issue. I think he was mute when he, when he came along through the years of trauma and whatnot and mm. was able to get up and talk for a, like yep. a minute or two in front of us and tell us a bit about his journey and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was really interesting. 
Yeah. Um, and, I, and I know we're going to follow this episode up with a chat with a couple of them um, in the new year, which will mm-hmm. be good. Mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um, but yeah so yeah n- now more specifically this room that we're in now mm-hmm. and this project um, I mean this I don't know if this was a consulting room or a kitchen or what it, what it was <laughs> I, when I think it, it was a I think it was a creative writing room okay but also a bit of a meeting room yep and um, yeah I think I annoyed a few people when I sort of <laughs> came to the service and started putting Guitar racks on the wall. That's and, what yeah. you got to get, got to do to get things done. the cupboards so. to fill them with microphones yeah. and yeah. you know electrical equipment. <laughs> um, so ruffled a few feathers, but I think yeah. it's, it's worth it. Um, yeah. You know, for the greater good of, of music and mental health. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So what would a? This is going to be a very hard question, I think. Um, but what would a typical day for you be like? Like when do you start? Like how many clients would you have? What kind of things um, would you do during the day? So, yeah, again, it varies. I'm only here two days a week because yep. the other three days a week I work um, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, typical day, I normally would start around um, 8, 8.30, finish, you know, 4, 4.30. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID threw a big spanner in the works mm-hmm. um, because we had we couldn't do face-to-face contact and we had to do a lot of video conferencing mm-hmm. with clients. Mm-hmm. But that was a, an experience in itself because I would often get clients with their community support workers to do iPhone recordings mm-hmm. and send them mm-hmm. in, and then I would mix them. That's cool. Into yeah. songs and um, that's cool. And yeah. yeah, so and then we'd sort of collaborate that yeah. way. Um, and we're only just re-establishing groups. Um, Pre-COVID, we used to do a lot of groups here, um, music groups. So a music group might consist of you know uh, four to six people. Um, then I also see people individually. So at the moment I've got a lot of individual clients and might see, you know, five, six individual clients a day mm-hmm. um, where they mm-hmm. come in and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll have time in the studio, normally about an hour mm-hmm. long mm-hmm. session um, and really just, yeah, working on their recovery goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I normally do um, like functional outcome measures to see how um, the studio's um, impacting on their, you know, general functioning outside of the Yep, studio, um, and just to get a baseline, and then that helps hone in on target areas, mm-hmm. um, and then we reevaluate at the end of sort of a, a term of, um, or maybe six six or so weeks yep. of one to one engagement. Okay, um, but for some people, it's about you know supporting them with the songs that they've never had the opportunity to to. Uh, flesh out or record mm-hmm. but they might yeah. have had these riffs from you know high school days or <laughs> mm-hmm. and not picked up a guitar in 15 years or more mm-hmm. um i remember one lady hadn't um listened to some recording she did 20 years earlier due to some trauma so she was coming um so we were trying to sort of work through that trauma so she could listen okay. to this um, recording she'd done 20 years earlier. Yeah. So a lot of the session was based around that. Okay. Um, Sometimes I had one girl here who we did a lot of, um, or one lady, we did a lot of voice mapping and voice dialoguing um, with all the voices she hears um, and we looked at how we can improve the relationship she has to those voices through, I guess, acknowledgement mm-hmm. um, of the voices. So we looked at... Um, writing songs for the voices, um, acknowledging mm. the voices' strengths and the role they play in, in mm. supporting her in her everyday life. Mm. Um, 
very broad. And then um, sometimes skill development um, in terms of, you know, learning an instrument. Mm -hmm. One of the best things I see is when someone rocks up with their own instrument. They feel so inspired from the studio. (laughs) They've gone out and got their own instrument and that means they're doing it at home, which ultimately is the goal for people to take away. From here is the ability to do their own self-expression through music when they're not here. Yeah. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I was just going to ask you, when you're measuring the uh, the functional ability and that sort of thing, um, what's – I've got a bit of a research nerd kind of hat on here. (laughs) Um, What sort of measures do you use to do that? I'm mainly using the the RAS-DAS, I think it's called, Mm -hmm. the the recovery assessment scale. Yep. Um, And uh, occupational Mm self-assessment. Um, as, as a bit of an OT one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have to use other outcome measures here as a part of our um, normal data collection. Okay. Um, you know, uh, HONOS. Yep. Um, sometimes we do the LSP, mm-hmm. um, Kessler 10. Yeah, so the mm-hmm. K10 and yep. the DAS maybe. Yep. Um, DAS21. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's really, you know, it's really dependent on on the client again so if, mm-hmm. if i'm seeing a client with drug and alcohol issues i'll also do s- different scales and yep. assessments related to those to see if mm-hmm. we can we can address you know that through music okay so it's very ot and that it could go anywhere yeah like the other day i spent probably most of this the session um doing sort of pre-vocational skill building with a client and supporting them to link with the, an appropriate job agency in the community. And mm-hmm. so it's, and, you know, I'm helping out with NDIS applications here and there for certain clients. Yep. So um, the role and the scope of the role is quite broad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So just on that, do you have many people who are with the NDIS? Uh, yes. Um, we have many clients with the NDIS. We also have a lot of people who aren't with NDIS. So this isn't an NDIS service. This is mm-hmm. a public mental health service, mm-hmm. um, which it, you know, which is a good thing in, in that you don't. It doesn't restrict access for those that don't have NDIS. Yep. Um, because uh, I guess I'm, what we're noticing is that sometimes if you don't have NDIS, you sort of find yourself a bit stuck mm. because a lot of services have gone down the NDIS path. Right. Well, I guess we're still providing a platform for those people that aren't on NDIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So who's eligible for, for this service? I know you mentioned some of the criteria for getting um, referred. Yeah. Yep. But in terms of uh, is it the state government that funds this and then people have to fall within a certain bracket? It's, um, I think 16 to 65. Yeah. Um, and you have to have a, a diagnosis with a, of a mental illness. Um, and I guess you have to be prepared to come. It's... it's mm-hmm. it, we're not going to force anyone to come to this yeah. service. Um, so um, I guess it's voluntary to come mm-hmm. and and engage. You also have to have be at an appropriate level of risk to engage here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also um, make it a, a part of um, engagement here is that you have to have a community case manager, mm-hmm. whether it be through a clinic, a mental health clinic or um, you know, public sector, private sector. Just so we, um, because we're not a crisis management service, it's more a rehabilitation yeah. recovery yeah. service. So it's after the crisis, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but in saying that, we, you know, I've supported people um, transitioning out of hospital. Yeah, I was going to ask. And coming yeah. through the studio. Yeah. Um, the location at where we are on, on Greylands Hospital campus, and the fact that I also work in the hospital. You know, I've brought clients from the hospital. 
mm-hmm. over here on many occasions to record um, as a part of occupational therapy while they're in hospital. Okay. And so you, know, you would have a mix of inpatient and outpatient. Mainly outpatient, outpatient mainly. but some inpatient yeah. occasionally, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Hi, we hope you're enjoying this episode. If you have a minute and enjoy the conversations we bring you, It'd be great if you could go to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a quick rating and review. Not only do we love to get your feedback, but it also helps other people to find us. Thank you. And now back to the show. And so how does this contrast with the work you do in the hospital in that setting? Mm-hmm. Um, Which one do you prefer? Oh, <laughs> look, they're, they're, they are very different. Yeah. I think uh, the hospital... Um, I guess there's lots of occupational mediums we utilise in the hospital as part of therapy programs. Mm-hmm. Music might be one of those, but I guess it's it's just one part of a, a broader mm-hmm. um, range of therapeutic mediums we utilise. So I guess in the in the in the hospital we're focusing more on you know self care, um, focusing on re- group, group programs that are. They might involve music, art, gardening, cooking, living skills development, mm-hmm. you know, getting out into the community, um, different discussion-based groups, um, sport. Um, you know, we've set up volunteer groups, mm-hmm. um, more sensory modulation. Um, okay. it's, it's quite broad, whereas yeah. I kind of take all the skills that I have from the hospital, but I, I, I sort of just put them all into the recording studio yeah. And where the where the occupational focus is is the music, mm-hmm. but working on different occupational goals through that music, yep, or that audio recording. Um, I think it's a good balance. I get the both best of both worlds um, mm. in that I get to see people that are, are more well and stable here in in the um, the Creative Expression Centre, but I also mm-hmm. get to work with people that are more acutely unwell mm-hmm. um, in the hospital. Yep, and. Um, over the over the years, there's been many clients, you know, with their consent, of course, where I've I've recorded them when they're in that acute phase of their mental illness, mm-hmm. and some of the stuff um, and the magic and the energy that these people have got musically and creatively when they're in that that phase of their illness will just you know blow blows your mind away. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more rewarding than giving people a USB with their tracks on it when they leave hospital, saying, "Look, you're not." Just someone with a mental illness. You're a, you're a musician, mm-hmm. and when they get admitted, if they get admitted back to hospital and they personally ask to see me and they want to reflect on, remember we did that recording years mm-hmm. ago, and yeah. that's really rewarding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's the what's the most common um, mental health issue that um, your patients that come to the studio have, mm-hmm. and what's the most um, surprising like uh, mental health issue that has had like the best results i guess like what trends have you seen with the different mm. kinds mm-hmm. <laughs> um i think predominantly here at the recording studio i'd, I'd say m- most of the clients would f- sort of fall in that that bracket of mood disorders um trauma mm-hmm. um whereas in the hospital it's predominantly more psychotic disorders mm-hmm. um but I think there's there's room for growth in in any Absolutely. person really. Yeah. The diagnosis to me doesn't really make a difference mm. when they come into the room. Yeah, 
it's really about what they what their goals are and what they want to achieve. And, I, and I've seen great gains with uh, with all mm. um, diagnostic groups, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's sometimes it surprises me that what I see as a success in here, they might not see as a success in here, which mm. is fine. Yeah. But when they tell me what they get out of coming here, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like it. it at the end of the day, it's about what, what they get out, out of yeah. the studio. It's not yeah. about what, what I feel that I'm giving them in the yeah. studio <laughs> um, or the opportunities I'm providing here. It's a, you know, if they walk away and they, it, they've they developed confidence or self-worth or gained mm-hmm. insight or um, and they're, or they're able to go to the shops now or they're able to, you know, function in their daily lives, that's a, that's a massive win. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've started a platform um, where clients can now perform live in the in the community so we put on an annual event um i'm a part of this thing called the arts and mental health network and people come there and um we put on a public art exhibition mm-hmm. showcasing the artwork of mental health consumers across lots of services mm-hmm. around perth and we yeah, put on a public art exhibition where they can sell their their artwork to the public and you know all the money goes back to the consumers and then we um, also get um, clients from this service as well as other services to get up on stage and perform at the exhibition opening night. Okay. We've been doing that for the last few years. So it's great to see people transition from the studio mm. um, to performing live. Mm. Which is a scary thing for anyone, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, whether you've got great mental health or, or poor mental yeah. health, it's got to, yeah, that's scary. daunting. 100%. So we try yeah. to do a very graduated um, process to that. So we do practice, smaller practice gigs mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our courtyards here at at the service and then we, we build up the crowds and mm. so we sort of grade it to, yeah. to make it less daunting yeah. and we try to create a real safe space, you know, at the venue, an inclusive space. Mm. So it's really encouraging. It doesn't yeah. matter if you do a bung court on stage, everyone will just yeah. cheer, cheer <laughs> you on and, and um, yeah, it's a great platform. We've had some clients perform, you know, three, four years in a row now mm. okay. and every year yeah. they're performing long, longer, their, their, their confidence is building yeah. and now they're starting to venture out into the world and develop their own musical relationships and mm-hmm. jamming with other people. And Because oh. I guess the most important thing as well when people leave this service is that there's somewhere for them to go or be a part of or to carry on their skills when they leave. Yeah. So that's um, sometimes a barrier to find Mm-hmm. those places mm-hmm. um, but um, there have been quite a few success stories out of here where you know we've helped people transition to new mm-hmm. services or new locations or new areas or places to to meet their yeah. their needs through music yeah okay I was going to ask you specifically about something you mentioned before with the lady who came in you wanted to just list, be able to listen to something she'd recorded 20 years before mm. What's the process for getting someone to be able to do that? Like, well, what steps do you take to make them comfortable enough to, you know, get from wanting to do it to actually being able to do it? I think um, I think it's just a, a real gentle, graded approach. I guess it's just about creating a space of safety and comfort and trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming it wouldn't just be like what people do. Well, one of the, the theories with phobias is the exposure therapy of just like yeah. putting him in the room <laughs> with a full of spiders or something. Yeah. I'm assuming it's not that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, mm. Definitely not flooding anyone in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it, it's all about the therapeutic relationship um, yeah. and and supporting people on that journey really. 
um, to get to that point. Yep. Um, and sometimes you don't always get to that point you mm-hmm. know, in a in a quick amount of time. It take sometimes it takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes setbacks and it takes you know yeah. doubts in the process. But you know, I think persistence is key, mm-hmm. um, and just trusting that, that yeah. the, the path will okay. reveal its destination. You know. So you do you employ like sort of counselling methods and that sort of stuff, or is it just yeah, conversational? Or, yeah, um, I use a lot of acceptance and commitment therapy approaches. Okay. Um, in here, I find um, that really useful. But I guess also people expressing themselves through music in here in a safe space also helps them to eventually open up with mm-hmm. the talking later on. So I guess it's mm-hmm. it's a, it, sometimes done in reverse. So sometimes the focus here is the doing, mm-hmm. and then later comes the talking mm-hmm. and the revelations yep. and the the lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some people, it's the other way around. We do all the talking first, um, the exploration, the mm-hmm. reflections, um, and and then the music comes later. Had one client who was brave enough to come tell a group about his trauma, past trauma, and um, he wanted to write a song about it. Mm-hmm. And we asked the group whether they would be prepared to help him. Um, in creating a track of his story, essentially, and re-scripting his outlook mm-hmm. on his trauma and his journey and how resilient he's been in that journey. Um, and we did that. And it was pretty special. And mm. he was, I think the medical term for it is absolutely stoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once we completed yeah. um, that process. And it was okay. really, really nice to see yeah. that he'd almost purged this trauma and was was validated by his his peers um and would listen back to his track which mm-hmm. again was validating this is what's happened to me but this is how i've i've gotten through it mm-hmm. this is where i'm at now and this is where i'm going yeah um so yeah very empowering mm. oh, interesting stuff yeah um so i'm just having a look through some of the things that we we flag talking about here. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of gone around in circles. Yeah, yeah which is good, which is good because I've I looked think- at my notes and realised that um, I haven't followed anything in any form of sequential order. <laughs> no, that's no. typically what happens during these, yeah, uh, these conversations. I don't think we've ever once followed yeah. it um, properly. <laughs> I tell you, who's been instrumental in music and mental health is the Greylands Hospital Volunteers Service. Mm-hmm. Mm. They do fundraising, mm. and um, they've always been on board with helping to, to build an instrument library in the hospital. They funded the majority of the equipment here. An instrument library? Yeah, so I guess just trying to get as many instruments into the hospital yeah, okay. as possible yeah, to cool. lend, lend out towards. Yep. Um, What's the weirdest instrument you've got? Oh, you'd have to look in all my buckets and tubs <laughs> in, in, the, in the dark storerooms of the hospital. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, just just basic instruments really. Yeah. Um, lots of guitars. Yeah. Um, and yeah. replacing instruments as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure um, that's an issue. It's yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're fantastic and they help support our Arts and Mental Health Network um, exhibition events okay. every year as well with funding canvases for us to distribute to artists and, and funding the night where people yep. um, perform. So the Mental Health Volunteers Network. Or is it Greylands right? Volunteers. Greylands Volunteers. And so they are a philanthropic group, are they? Um, they've been around a long time um, and... They've got a, a base on campus 
and they uh, they run the hospital kiosk, and yep. they got an apparel shop, and mm. and and provide uh, yeah, I guess just um, funds for anything that's going to benefit the mental mm. health and well-being of mental health consumers in hospital and out of hospital. Yeah. Can anyone <coughs> can anyone volunteer? Um, they do take on volunteers. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, I don't know the ins and outs yeah, of their organisation. All I know is that they're hugely they're supportive. Yeah. They're on um, lots of up. music yeah. initiatives. Yeah. I mean, one thing I was going to ask you about is that obviously uh, we've talked about some of the really great outcomes and mm. the stuff that goes right. You know, and sometimes it can take longer than other times. Mm. Have you had many situations where it's just blown up and gone totally the wrong way? And, and maybe music therapy is not the right pathway. Yeah, or, you know, you've had to sort of take evasive action or, you know, do something. <laughs> um, look, I think there's certainly been times in the studio here when um, someone's become more acute in their mental health Mm -hmm. and um, it hasn't been the time or the place to engage in music. Mm -hmm. It's been more of a crisis Mm -hmm. management response Um, and, you know, watching out sometimes people's warning signs might display themselves and it's a matter of, you know, getting the right supports on board. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just the nature of, of this work. People's mental health does fluctuate. Um, so, you know, as a service, we have to keep an eye on that and alert, you know, appropriate supports in people's network when we, we see those warning signs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you have to know when not to engage as well. Um, I think generally speaking, it's been a, been a good response because people, only people who really want to engage in the program yeah. will attend. Yep. Um, I guess there's some people who attendance may drop drop mm-hmm. off and uh, it may be that it's not for them or it's not the right time for them, mm-hmm. um, but that's totally okay. Mm. Um, and as with any musician would know when you're in the studio and the little red light's flashing and you're trying to get a take yeah. or, you, you know, <laughs> some people put a, a lot of pressure on themselves. Yeah. Um, they aim for perfection. They feel like the outcome or the tangible end product is, is a reflection of their worth. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's about breaking that down and making people understand that the process of the studio is to try to capture expression and feeling and not perfection. Yep. And I think once people understand that, I think that's when we see like people's truth come out and mm-hmm. um, and they it also resonates better with them yep. when they're not. Yeah, so I think battling perfectionism is, is definitely something that happens. Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of the therapeutic process and, and part of learning um, yeah. lessons of life um, that you can't always get everything perfect because sometimes there is no we such thing as We all have to perfect. learn that, right? I think, I think anyone who's embarked on an, a higher degree by research, like a PhD <laughs> or a master's or something, it's one of the things they teach you at your induction, well, they tell you at your induction. Like good is, enough is near enough. Like, don't, mm, what's, the fra- what's the phrase? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good or something mm. like that. Mm. And it's like just learn to let go occasionally and, yep. you know, move on, yep. come yep. back to it if you need to. Yep. 
Yeah, and that's the same <laughs> with write, with writing or researching or music. Or, yep. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And look, a part of my role here is um, I think the beauty of the editing process um, is to involve the client. Yeah. You know, through the entire process, I get them on the laptop. Mm-hmm. We, we have two mouses going at the same time in Logic. Yep. Empowering them to, to make changes that they're happy with, to find moments that are their strengths mm-hmm. that, that um, I want, ultimately, I want people to be able to walk away mm-hmm. and feel a sense of accomplishment yep. um, over what they've done, um, whether it's the fact that they just did it at all or, you know, they can listen back to it and be like, wow, I'm, I'm really happy with that. Mm. I guess the, the aim isn't to – it's not a professional recording studio in that sense as, as the, it's all on the end product. Mm-hmm. It's more about the process mm. um, and the end product is, is, the, is the bonus, is the reflection um, and the potential – yeah. therapeutic tool for later on when they want to listen back to it yeah. or revisit it. It's sort of like a document of their efforts in a, yeah. in a sense. It's like mm. a, yeah, sort of documenting what they've done. And, mm. Yeah, no, it's yeah. really I interesting. I think anyone, uh, like my personal experience, uh, I, I do a bit of painting and things mm. like that and it's very easy to look at your final product and go, oh, there's a mistake, oh, yep. there's a mistake. <laughs> so many things wrong with it. But yeah. then yep. if if you are able to show other people most of the time, yep. they don't even notice either. Yep. And I feel like just going through that as well and being able to share that experience where people don't even see it mm-hmm. um, is a really a therapeutic thing to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, when people come in here, they, they, they can resort to that, that, those negative thoughts of I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, or, you know, auditory hallucinations could intensify Mm-hmm. Because they're not comfortable, so it's so important for me to always check in, mm-hmm. yeah, um, with how they're going, but also how they feel I'm going in terms of supporting them and making them feel safe and comfortable, yeah, um, yeah, and um, yeah. Mm. Lost my train of thought on that. One. <laughs> no, that's okay. was, I'm not sure if you if you've ever heard of a guy called Daniel Johnson. He was an American songwriter. No. Now, I'm not sure if what, what he was diagnosed with, but it was something in the sort of bipolar or yep. schizoaffective kind of end of um, mm-hmm. mental illness. And he recorded loads of albums and often using like toy pianos and, mm-hmm. you know, and it was sort of like quite a, a youthful, juvenile type mm-hmm. vibe. Mm-hmm. But there's a documentary called The Devil and Daniel Johnson oh, about his life. And yeah, right. He, he passed away a few years ago of, I think, heart failure or something because he was a prolific smoker, mm-hmm. um, which happens a lot with that, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, those sorts of mental conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, coming in here sort of reminds me of his story <laughs> a bit and yeah. there's some real famous musicians who I think have covered his songs yep. and, um, you know, cite themselves as fans, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe you've got a Daniel Johnson story <laughs> in here. Oh, look, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure we do um, and we have, you know. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, you have to tailor it to each individual. So sometimes you need some, – some people like a lot of preparation and practice and they like to, to, to really feel a sense of mastery over mm-hmm. what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Other people uh, thrive off spontaneity, mm-hmm. being reactive, being um, impulsive. Um, so it's about finding how people express themselves best and, yeah. w- and when, they, when the best can they can uh, express yeah express themselves the best essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've done lots of weird and wild things in here. We've <laughs> recorded the tap over there dripping, and mm-hmm. we've made kind of movie journey soundtracks. And people yeah. on 
you know, radio walkie talkies mm-hmm. and um, some performance art in yeah. a way. Yeah. 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 Not just, it's, it's broader than music. Yeah. Is what yeah. we think music is. Yeah. Because that was one thing I was going to say as well. Is, has anyone ever said to you that they wanted to make a video to go with their music? Or? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we don't have that kind of um, facility and service here yet. Yeah. But hopefully that's something we yeah. can strive for. I feel like that's a good next step, to be honest. Yeah. Now that you've got the audio, you've got to get the visual. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, a lot of the clients are in the art studios as well. So, mm. you know, I think combining their music and their art um, is definitely something we want to work for towards in the future. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. And um, you mentioned some of the music groups and, and that sort of thing. Um, do you know if any of the clients kind of get together outside of anything that's formally organised here to play and jam and that sort um, of thing? Look, I, I, I'm not too sure whether they have, um, yeah. but they definitely form bonds and connections here. Yeah. Um, and we do refer on to different other organisations that, that do community music and sometimes mm-hmm. they might meet up again there, yeah, which, sure. is, which is nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, and I think there's there's, they, there's definitely a, some camaraderie, camaraderie that forms. I've sort of looked, always looked at the studio as as being a little bit unstructured in the sense as, you know, if you're doing a group, people can leave and come and go as they please. Mm-hmm. As long as they're, they're conscious if someone's recording just to be mindful of that yep. and respectful of that. But it's it's also a place of community and belonging and connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I probably didn't mention earlier that, a lot of the, this music journey also started back at Greylands when um, myself and some others used to put on the Greylands Music Festival every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's something that we um, were quite involved in for several years of getting um, patients um, up to be the support acts for um, bigger mainstream artists from the community who would who would volunteer their time to come yeah. in and do a performance cool. to, to patients and carers and staff. Yeah. And it was, it was great in just developing that sense of community yeah. Any any names that you care to mention? <laughs> performers? Of, of like, you know, well-known performers that came along? Um, Morgan Bain, who's now Eli Green Eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in one year and performed. Um, Jordan McRobbie. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. <laughs> um, Dillip from Dillip and the Davs comes and he would be our host every year mm-hmm. and play some tracks. Mm-hmm. Um all the different bands I've played in over the years have, have done a few gigs <laughs> at the hospital and in the Franklin Centre yep. and um, Did they locations. prefer your more like angry teenage years or your more like folklore uh, now? Other a bit bands. of both. A bit, a bit of both. Of both. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their uh, strengths, don't they? Yeah. That's right. Those genres. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so we're probably getting close to wrapping up here, mm-hmm. uh, but I was just going to ask you, uh, with, with an eye on the future, yep. what do you see this sort of evolving into as time goes on? That's that's a good question. Um, I think, I guess, in, in reflecting on where we've gone over the last few years, I think it's great to see that we're now supporting more live performance. You now we've pumped out about two hundred completed tracks mm-hmm. or more. Um, I think there, there's scope for more support for people once they kind of have their music in their hands yep. and they want to do something with it. Mm-hmm. They want to – one thing is they want to listen back to it. So that's, that's difficult for some people mm-hmm. um, because they don't have computers, phones, internet, mm-hmm. data. Yep. Um, so we're always trying to look at how we can support people to listen back to their music 
So I don't know whether there's scope for us to explore. Um, one thing I would like to do is to get consent from some clients to see whether they would like to form like a compilation because mm-hmm. everything's treated as confidential because yep. um, it's a part of their therapy. Um, it's not my it's not my place to say whether something should be shared or not. It's yeah. totally up to the, the client. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be nice to give them the option if they did want to contribute to some kind of collective mm-hmm. of, of what's happening in the studio for, for awareness. Yep. Um, I think supporting clients with where to to take their music or to develop more social music networks. Mm-hmm. So there's there's always scope to look at improved pathways and, and networks and connections with different um, agencies and organisations in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I think we probably just need to start a, a mental health record label. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And get yeah. a whole bunch of people as volunteers and employed and yeah. um, empower, you know, clients to to run it yeah and um i, I know some some services and organizations that may not necessarily be mental health they might just be community-based like maybe homeless and that sort of stuff that would like put their hand up to have people come mm, and play absolutely. and you know probably sell the records and all yep. that sort of stuff yeah. yeah yeah i think we need a you know, massive instrument library for for mental health consumers across the community mm-hmm. um so they can get access to instruments to use at home yeah yeah um yeah, I think there's endless scope. Yeah. Mm. I'd like to see a mental health um, – I'd like to see the arts and mental health network progress to like a, a bigger festival. Yep. Mm. Um, I can see multiple stages and, yep. you know, lots of community connecting, mm. um, lots of performers and just opening it up to not just our little sort of network mm-hmm. that we operate under but, you know, taking it really broad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, creating a platform for, for any person with a, any mental health consumer who's got some music that they want to share or something they want to share mm-hmm. to yeah. have that opportunity to share it. I feel like it could be like a really powerful thing for pe- people in the youth space as well mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Yeah, as a sort of intervention, if you like, if you want to get sort of technical and medical about it, it could actually prevent people's mental illnesses from progressing to that really acute sort of severe state mm-hmm. if they get involved with stuff like this early on in life, you know? Yep can get them an outlet that they, they can rely it's on. It's a form of communication. Yeah. Um, communicating where they're at and, you know, sometimes if you don't communicate yeah. what's going on for you, no one can really understand, so no one mm-hmm. can help you. Yeah. So sometimes it's a lot easier to communicate through music mm-hmm. than to, you know, sit opposite a desk from someone and to communicate <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Is um is the studio involved in any research or is that another potential Looking at getting, future? Um, Fingers crossed, if all goes to plan, we're looking at doing a little bit of research next year. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, with Curtin University. Nice. So, yeah, just, um, yeah. yeah, we'll see where that, where that leads. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, as I said, there's so much scope and I'd really like to sort of explore the, the, the psychosis space a lot more in terms of um, looking at um, tracks and recordings um, that can help with, um, you know, management of auditory hallucinations. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it's really good. I look it forward to it. It seems feasible as well. Just, yeah. Yeah, because um, I read something recently about like a certain tone in songs that are on the radio yeah. help calm people down. Okay. Just like in like a general mm. Like a general certain frequency? Like, yeah, a certain or, frequency. Okay. Um, and a lot of the pop songs tends to have that in the background of it and it, yeah. people mm. like relate more to that music than other kinds of music mm. because of those particular types of frequencies. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because there's, 
There's certain chord progressions yeah. that end up in most pop music. And yeah, and like, there's also like classic, like happy, sad ones as well. Like yeah, yeah. different, yeah, it's like all the, that kind a of stuff. minor chord progression yeah. and a major <laughs> scale. Yeah, but I'm thinking more like along the turn, along the um, the wavelength of. I've had quite a lot of clients over the years that, for whatever reason, reason haven't been able to say go into a shopping center or haven't been able yeah. to go into a car, or they've, you know, when they those situations arise, they get these really distressing um, auditory hallucinations, these mm-hmm. voices kind of saying this and that and this and that. And there's, there's sometimes there's patterns between um, those voices and that particular task or that de- mm-hmm. the demands of that task that they're, they're kind of being set up to do or supported to do. Yep. And I've, I've, su- I've supported them to write scripts mm. um, kind of reflecting on their values and, and sort of trying to... Um, Contradict what some of those voices are saying, which mm-hmm. really go are incongruent with their mm-hmm. their their beliefs or, or their values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And it would be so much easier if they didn't have to read a page over and over again, but to simply just listen to it, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a way of coping. Yeah, you know, in the moment, kind of like a mantra or something yeah. that they might use in exactly. meditation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, bit of a mantra. Yeah. Um, but just before we finish, I also yeah. want you, you know I've spoken to you already about this, Craig's the radio station. Yep. <laughs> looking at a, a psychiatric radio station mm. um, or podcast for um, in the hospital. Mm. I think there's huge scope for that. You know, I, I have a vision that it would be fantastic to to give anyone admitted to hospital a pair of Bluetooth headphones, and they can tune into. Um, the TV or they can tune into, you know, Spotify or they can tune into the radio station and the radio station is a constant source of information, yep. you know, on, on the hospital routines. You could do, um, you know, lots of pre-sleep meditation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you could incorporate, you know, information sessions, you know, guest speakers, other uh, peer, peers that have, you know, been through the hospital process, giving encouragement, you know, yeah. doctors giving information on certain topics, pharmacists giving information mm-hmm. on certain medications. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because the reality is sometimes there's not much to do in hospital mm-hmm. um, and I think it would be good to have that, that, that constant source of information mm-hmm. um, and even just prompts if you, from an occupational therapy perspective. If you can support people with prompting mm-hmm. through the radio station, to engage in everyday activities during the hospital stay. So making sure people um, are looking after their basic personal hygiene and getting reminders yep. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's a lot of scope in, in that sort of area as well. Mm. Yeah. No, it's, it'll be interesting to see how things progress and I'll look forward to tracking your progress and <laughs> getting some updates. Tuning into the radio. Tuning into the radio when, <laughs> as and when, yeah. No, it's been really great chatting and I uh, appreciate your time today, Andrew. No worries. Thanks yeah. very much for having me. Yeah, cheers. And that was our conversation with Andrew Miller. So uh, what do you think, Courtney? I thought that, first of all, Andrew is such a lovely guy and the fact that he's created this whole thing himself is truly amazing. Um, Yeah, his setup is just lovely i really liked like walking into the room and there was an immediate sense of like calmness 
because we were interviewing um, Andrew in his little studio where he does recordings with um, with his clients. Um, and, yeah, just the sense of calmness in that room was such a great start to that conversation. Yeah, it's uh, he's obviously done, he's put like the finishing touches there just to make it relaxing for people, um, you know, because a lot of the people that he works with are likely to probably not be too relaxed at times and so putting them at ease is a big part of the process and yeah as he was saying you know sometimes it might take a fair amount of time before they actually get around to recording anything it might just be about having a chat and getting them comfortable and you know comfortable enough to to be open to expressing themselves you know whether it's through music or or vocals or whatever it is that they're doing yeah and I, I thought it was uh so cool how uh, some of his, uh, the people that he works with had enough confidence to like put their recordings on Spotify and, and other, uh, areas for the public to listen to. Um, you know, I don't think I could ever do that. I would never sing in public. So kudos. I think that's such an amazing, uh, confidence building skill that Andrew is involved with in helping these patients and these clients. Yeah, no, I have to agree. And and I look at as you know, it's it's an area that's still kind of in its early stages of of you know being researched and um, being rolled out, you know, to try and help people. But I think stuff like music therapy, it seems plausible that it, that it could help a lot of people. Mm. You know, it seems like yeah. the effect that music has on the brain and and potentially on people's physiology. You know. Yeah, we all get a different reaction. Uh, I, I'm assuming a chemical reaction. You know, when we when we hear certain types of music that that resonates with us, and surely there must be something in that 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 can help alleviate sort of mental health symptoms, for example. Um, it would make sense, considering that music has been um, almost a pivotal moment in human society history. Like. <laughs> Music has been always there for humans um, as a way to bring in community uh, within groups of people. Yeah. And I think it is that that sense of community. Um, it's a commonality between people. Everyone can dance. I mean, if you are some people, maybe not everyone can dance, but <laughs> in, anyone can. <laughs> the, the level of skill is different. Um, but yeah. it's that sense of community-driven collaboration uh, yeah I yeah see it definitely having an impact on mental health though we don't necessarily have all the studies to have all the all the evidence for it yet yeah that's right I mean mm. I guess if you go out to a, a nightclub you probably would question whether middle-aged white men are able to dance <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah yep. like a lot of a lot of people naturally will start tapping their toes to a song and you know, start yep. busting a few shapes and whatever. Even if it's um, out of time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and they'll get, you know, their, their state of mind might change and they might feel more relaxed or more invigorated or, you know, stimulated or whatever. Um, mm. And we, we had a previous guest that I think you organised on the show who was looking at that social connectedness and, and dancing. Right. Yeah. yeah, so that, that's um, that's uh, Dr. Joshua Bamford. Um, yeah. he's, he's moved over to somewhere in Europe now uh, with their music and psychology center. Um, mm -hmm. He also got married recently, so that's exciting. Oh, that's nice. um, but yes, yes, he did study the the kind of social aspects of music. In in the it was the study where they like put two random people together and yeah. then play the same music um, and then kind of see what happened. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there are whole whole areas of research that kind of cover how music can influence mood and socialness yeah. and all and sorts. I, look, and I think part of the, the work they do at, at CCAT, at Greylands there, is, is around helping people to express themselves through art and, and in Andrew's case, music as well. So mm-hmm. as much as music might have an effect on the brain by listening to it, I think actually get, as an outlet for communicating your, your thoughts or your feelings, it can also probably have like a bit of a therapeutic impact as well because um, it can focus you on a certain task or mm. um, give you something to focus on when perhaps you need you need that, you know, you need something to focus on to kind of help alleviate some of the symptoms you might have. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Creativity is always good. Yeah. Like writing a, a journal relaxes mm. some people each day, you know, if they reflect on what happened through the day, it helps kind of put their mind at ease and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, everyone needs a creative outlet, I think. What's your creative outlet, Craig? So funnily enough, mine is music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the, nice. so, some of the fruits of my efforts were um, tacked onto the end of the last podcast episode, yep. actually. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so music is a big one for me. Reading is another one. I like reading. Um, I've, yeah, often that's the last thing I do at night is read. Um, oh, Nice. Yeah, sort of puts, can put me into a bit of a dreamy state, Yeah, which is good. Yep. Um, ha- I end up really... being way too awake. If I try and read things at night okay. time, I end up staying up until 3 a.m. to finish the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. If, you've, if you've got a real page turner and you really want to yep. know what happens, sometimes you might stay up longer than you would otherwise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, people do all sorts of things like yoga and meditation and um yeah, other things. You know, a lot of people mm. exercise massively to to help calm themselves down, and I guess there's endorphins and stuff like that that play a part in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. But yeah, I thought it was a, a really great conversation with Andrew. Um, yeah, it was. It and, was really good. And yeah, we I, we may get the opportunity to speak with some of his colleagues that are involved that are actually so Andrew's an occupational therapist but who are actually trained art therapists specifically yeah Um, I hope so I think it'd be really good to talk to someone who's in the art therapy because I think that um uh, before the music therapy and art therapy kind of converged into this creative therapy system um mm. like fine arts and painting has been used quite a lot for therapy um and it's only recently been studied as, as a form of therapy. So I think it'd be really interesting to talk to someone in the art therapy area. Yeah, no, I think so as well. So, yeah, we're, we're working on that. So hopefully that will uh, happen at some point in the future this year. Um, but, yeah, we'll, you'll know about that when we release it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and you won't if we don't. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if uh, people like this episode or have any suggestions for the year ahead for topics they might like to see us cover, um, how can they get in touch with us? Well, it's been a month, Craig, so I'm going to try and remember what our emails are and and our our Twitter. So you can tweet us at healthmeanswhat. We'd love to hear you on that platform. Um, You can also email email us meaningofhealthatoutlook.com. You can contact us on Facebook, Meaning of Health Podcast, and that's it. Excellent. Yes. Well, well yes. recited. Thank <laughs> well you. Got to, got to practice every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we've been thinking about 
the other social media. So if you if you feel like we should be on Instagram or TikTok or you want to see um, some of Craig's music on TikTok, then uh, let us know. Email us, tweet us. It'd be great to hear from you. Yes, please do. <laughs> uh, but on that note, um, we will uh, bid you farewell, listeners, and we'll be back again with a new episode soon. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the Education Enhancement Unit and the School of Population and Global Health at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber with editing, mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming.